Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we learn from them, and just why we like them. For those of you counting out there, this is episode 5, which I'm pretty impressed with, um, and we're coming at you on July, I believe it's 12, yep. 2017. Uh, my name is Chase Strollenberg, and joined... Or, and I'm being joined today by Stu. Who? Stu. 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 There we go. Stu. Always Stu. Oh, you know, we were off to a good start yes. until we weren't. Well, um, <laughs> that's like every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doing good until we weren't. Um, so yeah, uh, for those of you who are new to the show, um, we sort of approach uh, each week. We approach games uh, critically, but uh, with the intent of trying to discuss. The educational value of a game and i'm not just talking math and arithmetic or like spelling uh literacy narrative i mean that stuff's important 100 percent, that stuff's important but we we're trying to take any kind of practical learning that could be uh coming out of a, a video game and we just want to discuss it and also we just want to discuss games that we enjoyed playing um so yeah if uh if you weren't sure what we're actually doing that's exactly what we're doing um, so, Stu, was there anything you wanted to touch base on just off the top before we get into the regular segments of the show? Uh, no, I have nothing uh, exceptionally unusual to work with today. <laughs> okay, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I like it when you bring in the unusual. Yeah. Uh, well, then, let's uh, let's move into the next section. This is what we learned this week. Uh, it has actually been a couple of weeks since we recorded, so there was a whole lot to learn. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this week or these last two weeks. Stu and I love tech. Uh, we love gaming news. Uh, so remember, if you have any news or tech updates that you would like to hear from us, uh, just send us an email at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll go through that and we will discuss it. So um, uh, do you want to... Do you have anything you want to talk about quick? Uh, quick? I don't know about quick. Um there's the standard uh, Valve is updating their Steam store that I don't want to go into because they're always doing it and blah 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 blah. But it's something that's interesting that people should keep an eye on. Um, understanding that stuff is neat. Um, well, Steam Steam sale also happened. Yes, Steam sale also did happen. Um, I, was, I weathered I was, it and didn't buy anything. <laughs> I was going to breeze past it. Um, I think I only picked up a couple things. Um, I did want to talk about SGDQ because Summer Games Done Quick happened. Um, yes, it did. That was just over one and three quarters of a million dollars, I believe. Uh, raised for Doctors of the Borders, which is fantastic. Uh, that is really awesome. If, yeah. if you want to go back and check the VODs, I'm, of course, going to recommend the Diablo 2 video because it's quick and interesting, and I like Diablo 2. <laughs> okay. But for, yeah. for everybody, for I, I think it's really worth watching. There's a, um, there's a Mario series speedrun relay three-way thing and it's really, really, it's fantastic. They go through Super Mario World, uh, two, three lost levels, and Super Mario World. And of the five okay, games, so the and it's a three-way relay race. So there are three different teams of five people each doing one of those games. Okay. And at the end, I think all three teams finished like within a couple minutes of each other. It is just That's it is amazing. Really cool. It is fantastic to see. It's really cool. So go check that so out. So they play four yeah, so four Mario games that's starting at Mario Brothers and then going to two, three, and then world, correct? And lost levels between in the middle there. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was neat. 
Really neat. Wow. Okay. Um, Which is the hardest of all Mar- Mario's, if you ask me. Probably. Because it's yeah. uh, it was the it was the original Mario too that was so hard mm-hmm. that they decided us to give they decided to give the United States and North America a completely different game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that's cool. That's yeah, nice. I I want to check that out. Yeah, it's it's um, definitely worth it. It's yeah, it's really cool. cool. Um, also, yeah. the international prize pool has uh, it's getting close to twenty one million, which makes it the biggest esport thing is uh, to date they're setting another record because that's what they do that's the okay. the dota 2 championship coming up yes yeah um well it's it's steam so uh, i'm yeah. not surprised they're able to yeah uh, i mean uh, between steam and uh well i was going to say blizzard activision but uh specifically i think steam actually may have access to more funds Fronts a lot of that yeah um and yeah. the last interesting thing that i saw that i don't know if you've seen was the warframe Planes of Adelon thing. Warframe is trying something open worldy, so they're yeah they're they're changing their thing, and that's really cool because that's uh, Warframe is from uh, a developer that actually is very near to where we are geographically. So yes, I, I have dealt with them personally yeah. when my uh, account got hacked and was surprised at how nearby they are. Yeah, yeah they're a Canadian-based company. Very very cool, based out of Ontario. Um, okay, so is the entire game shifting into open world? I think it's just a new, like, it's going to be a new area. So y- the, the old stuff, I think, will exist. I don't I don't know for sure. I haven't looked in depth at it. I just wanted to throw it out there as something interesting. Um, but th- I think the old stuff is going to exist as it does already, as it currently does. Yeah. And this is just a new area that's going to be super open worldy. And it's, it's I don't know, could be oh, could be okay. interesting. Warframe was like hands down my favorite third-person ninja shooter. <laughs> like just <laughs> but very few, no, very few games like accomplish what that game yeah. does, which is, it makes you feel like a boss. Whatever frame you're playing, it's um, yeah, it's it, fast-paced. You feel powerful. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I I have really enjoyed that game. I think I actually got into that game more than most people, uh, especially our our group of friends. Mm. Um, I I mean all all the power to you trying to bring everybody in, but uh, never. Well, yeah, that group is hard to make play anything for more than four and a half minutes because <laughs> you know somebody sees like attention span light shining off a ball of tin foil and whoop group's gone. So yeah, okay, well, cool. Um, anything <laughs> else? Or was no, that, uh, was that? That's it. it. I wanted to crash through that because it was a, it was a lot of small things and and nothing I really wanted to go super in depth about. So there you go. Okay, Just very yeah. shallow shallow avalanche hey no that's okay because uh, i've got two deep well uh they could be potentially deep right. um topics so uh, one of the topics that i wanted to discuss was uh there was an article out of mike um well it's like uh, i guess it's magazine but it's an online uh mm-hmm. publication um and it was just an opinion piece uh, about a, a woman whose five-year-old learned more from playing video games than from watching sesame street now I read this article uh, because literally what we're trying to discuss uh, the way that uh, games can educate mm-hmm. um, and I'm really excited about what it represents but I'm also a little concerned um, just because uh, do you remember how young you were when you started playing video games? Very, yes. Yeah, so was I. So was I. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like I had, I had limitations and balance, right? Like my parents would 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 toss me outside, and I don't want to 
promote the idea that like you should just throw kids at a video game and like they'll be okay because just like anything in life you need moderation moderation. balance yeah yeah um and there are a number of studies i'm not going to go into the details about them because i'm not sure if the science is getting replicated properly or not that suggest that uh you need to try to limit screen time for children uh, below a certain age because it can result in increased aggression. Um, when I was reading through this article, all I could think was, like, this is, number one, the, my first thought was, this is awesome. But my second thought was, are you actually controlling the amount that the child is being exposed? And is this having an impact on uh, social interaction? Because just because, uh, the, okay, okay, the main point of the story is this kid started young, started playing basically as, as young as you could possibly start, and at five years old has won or has beat a, a bunch of games, but his claim to fame in the game that he loves right now is Thimbleweed Park. So number one, <laughs> good game to love. Yeah. Like, way to go. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Again, number two is just, I don't think I beat a game ever <laughs> until <laughs> until I was at least uh, seven or eight, right? Like, actually sat down and had enough time to play through a whole game. Um, don't quote me on that, but I, I, I feel like that. Like, uh, I mean, once we started playing, uh, I think the first game we actually won was Super Mario Brothers 3, and that was when... Yeah, that would have been I think later. I yeah. was six or seven. Yeah. Um, now I'm not saying that I'm a well-adjusted individual and that uh, we should try to emulate, <laughs> emulate your the way th- yeah. the way that I was raised yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, there's a lot. There's a lot there's more. There's a lot than of literature. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of literature out there. Some of it, like the, I think, it's almost going to be our job now that I've brought this up to just try and see if we can find what's good and what isn't uh, just to consider like if, if you're raising a child um, just try to be aware and try to educate yourself about what is actually healthy yeah um, for for gaming for a child um, absolutely because I would love for my son to be interested in playing Mario games with me at that age and like just power through games together I think that that would be a great bonding experience but I also don't want to get tied up in it and neglect something. Um, so what, what yeah, I mean, yeah. did you read the article at all? Or, like, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I did not read the article. I will tell you that um, one, of the, one of the commonly known uh, interesting facts in our family is that my, my older brother's first word was R-U-N, run. And that's oh. because that was the command line to launch a Commodore 64 game. Oh, that's actually really cute. <laughs> Which is fantastic. It's <laughs> really cute. Um, that is his perhaps his the rem- cutest story to come out of your entire life so far. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It, I, I think it was his. Maybe it was mine. I don't even know. It must have been his. You, you have a lot of brothers and sisters, no, to, yeah. me, to be uh, fair. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 I guess my own... The collective memory. It'll yes, be in the collective memory. Somebody, yeah. somebody knows. Someone in my family made up a story about somebody's first word. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, or it's all of your first word, right? Like yeah. You're, ju- you're sharing experiences now. Yeah, well, probably. Um, you know, um, baby sister is m- or other sister is mad. What do you do? Are you in run? I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, womp womp on that one. Uh, okay, I guess cool. the other thing that I, I just want to quick mention is that this is this is a five year old. Yeah, I don't know what the standards of education go by these days, but um, like I genuinely I don't know. I don't. I also don't have a kid. I don't know what the recommended age range of stuff like Sesame Street is. I know that before I was five years old, I learned everything that one possibly could learn from Sesame Street. Like, it's it's not gonna carry your kid through their first years of primary education. It's just <laughs> it's not a thing. It's meant yeah. it's meant for wee baby wee baby baby children, not just baby children, but baby baby children. Um, yeah, that's like saying that you know my twelve-year-old learned more from I don't know oh, reading a fancy book than a thing. Just being angry. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look at you diminishing the accomplishments yes. of this child. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm, well, not not diminishing the accomplishments of the child. I just think that well, I guess kind of because I think a lot of children would have had the same experience. I just think that it's it's almost like somebody finally noticed. Oh, my kid grew up a little bit and they don't like Sesame Street anymore. Like I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, no, it's it's okay. Like, um, no, uh, you're. No, uh, uh, it's just, <laughs> sorry, it, just it's just it's it. I I think it, it's in the same vein of you know not just dealing with the moderation of what your kids are dealing with, but the other end of age appropriateness of content. Like if your kid is twelve and you and you get them like a Sesame Street swag for their birthday, they're gonna throw it at you. It's it's that yeah. same kind of thing. I don't know what that age is. Probably younger than twelve, maybe five, maybe seven. I don't know. Well, I'm just I'm thinking like I started to gravitate. I know that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was on TV by the time I was either four or five, um, and everything else stopped mattering as much. And I would flip the channel to watch that over anything else. Oh yeah. Um, and I didn't really grow out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a long time, but I mean, if I was given the choice, once I knew that it existed, between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Sesame Street or Mr. Dress Up or uh, The Electric Company, whatever, um, you know I'd be watching Ninja Turtles, oh, yeah. right? So, like, this kid has something that they like, they're focusing on it. Um, yeah. I was also talking to my wife, like... If, if my brother and I like something, like, we ran a train on it, I think <laughs> yeah. by the time I was 10, I had watched the complete Star uh, Star Wars, like, so, uh, like, A New Hope to yeah. Empire, no, A New Hope to uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like, we must have run through those movies on VHS at least 40 times or more, right? And that's not, that's like, that's a conservative estimate. Uh, same thing with Ghostbusters. Like, yeah. if we liked something, we threw ourselves into it over and over again and would revisit it yep. at least two or three times a year. Um, if not more. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm excited for this woman. I'm glad that she's excited for her son yes. to be so interested in the stuff that she's interested in. Um, it's good. All, all in all, good feelings, good vibe. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then I guess... Moving on. Oh God, I don't know if I want to talk about this. <laughs> it's, it's do I? Do I want to talk? About I don't know. It's up to you. Okay, we're. D I'm just gonna. I'm gonna open it up. Have you watched? I have. Thirteen Reasons Why. I have. How did you feel about it? <laughs> this is. Uh, this is your story. 
Okay. Oh, wow. Or or it's Hannah Baker's. Um, but uh, <laughs> someone just immediately put you on the spotlight on a on a podcast. This is welcome to your yeah. tape. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, honestly, man, like to watch it, um, I I actually watched it mostly in secret, just because um, my wife had been told by her sister that it was garbage, that it was trash. Oh, okay. Um, I did not feel that way when I watched it. I And I knew after the first few episodes that that wasn't the Gonna case. Be the case yeah. that, that wasn't what I was feeling while I was watching this show. Um, and again, not to diminish my sister-in-law's opinion, but like there is a lot going on in that show um and this is probably not the venue to fully discuss it yeah. but i just i want to bring up the fact that like i watched this show it reminded me of what it was like to be a teenager um and it reminded me that like number one no story is ever going to be accurate like everybody experiences things so differently mm-hmm. but um it, yeah, it was just, uh, it, it was one of those things, like, it, it took me back, and it, it reminded me of a time when my mind wasn't made out of stone, like, I wasn't the person that I am now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I still have the opportunity to become something more, but, like, when you're so young, like, so many things just build up to shape who you are, um, and nobody takes you seriously because you're a kid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. just so shitty. Uh, and I feel like the show really caught that, like really caught that and ran with it. Yes, it, it did an excellent job of, of, and not only that, but how uh, at certain ages certain things mean a whole lot more to you than so they should. So much more. Than yeah. what, I, maybe I shouldn't even say that, not necessarily more than they should, but more than uh, we as they will grown-ups <laughs> recognize that they should. Yes, um, there was one line that stuck in my head, and I've I've never stopped. Like I haven't been able to get it out of my head, and it was little things matter, mm-hmm. right? Like we lose sight of it as you get older. That like these little things are so important, and I mean even even between that, like the differences in in gender, right? Oh yeah. Um, like the things that you and I care about, and the things that we understand and have, we can relate to like this show helped me start to and like in no significant way but like helped me start to understand other people's viewpoints and i feel like a teenager watching this this would be like revolutionary potentially yeah. right like it's like it's like holy shit you know like this could break a teenager out of their their headspace because i mean like most teenagers are in that sort of stubborn space where nobody else understands them and they can't because it's so real and how dare you think that you could ever understand? Yeah. Um, and I feel like you're like a parent isn't going to be able to convey what's going on in Thirteen Reasons Why the way that the show itself does, because it's representing teenagers, it's representing experiences, and I feel like if you watch the show, you'll find at least one person, if not multiple people, that you can in some way relate to. And at the end of the day, I feel like the show is designed to promote empathy. Or at least some kind of connection, right? Like, even the shittiest people in that in that show, um, I think maybe with the exception of the rich rapist, <laughs> um, like yeah. you you take the time to get to know and understand. That, and yeah. and none of the characters are super flat. No. 
No, except for the rich rapist. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also feel like um, in terms of really bad things happening in a show, it was handled pretty respectfully. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole thing. Um, you got to witness a lot of heavy stuff, but at the end of the day, I, I feel like it had some valuable lessons. Like, would you want to show that to teenagers? Because that was what the ruckus was about, right? Like, just people were concerned that their uh, that their children were fetishizing suicide, which is not the point. It's it's definitely not the point, and it's uh, it's interesting to um, the way it all ended. I think the w- the way the final episode ended could have been done a little bit better i was i was that's i that was actually the biggest disappointing part of it to me but um, well we, we can just say spoilers right now and you can explain that because i would like to hear your just opinion on that episode. the very last just like honestly the last scene or two um gave the feeling of a shift of responsibility away from a certain demographic and i think that that was a bad idea just the way they showed it Okay, no, like, I'll just say spoilers right now, fast forward for, like, um, a uh, two to five minutes, uh, but yeah, okay, what what are you actually talking well, about, be- like, what do you mean the show? Because chef? they, there was kind of this onus when the, when the box goes to, um, what's-his-face at the high school, Mr. Guidance Counselor. Carter, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, it was a while ago that I that I watched this. No, it's, um, it's okay, yeah, so I, yeah, it's not they, timely at all. <laughs> they, um, and, and it, the uh, that they kind of do a bit of a setup of putting some responsibility on parents to, you know, keep in like help keep watch uh, on your kids and kind of understand what's going on in their lives a little bit more. And then at the very end, um, they a bunch of the kids hop into a car and like they're all smiling, laughing, and joking, and they piss off into the sunset. And that was yeah, that was that was really weird to me. It felt like. It was almost like a selfish, okay, um, we're all done grieving now. Time to go live the rest of our life. And maybe that is supposed to be the kind of um, emotional growth where, okay, you know what, your life is going to go on, blah, 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 blah. But it had just come out of an idea of we should be doing something to prevent this from happening anywhere anywhere else we should deal with how this happened here there's still some like uh, and it just felt like this complete dissolution of responsibility that i i didn't like that yeah i and i I hear you and um there's like a little bit of tragedy uh in this incredibly tragic story uh that they do a really good job of jabbing at and it's that all these people, and even Clay, so like the uh, mm-hmm. the the character you follow around follow around the most, ends up continuing the vicious cycle by completely ostracizing the uh, the photographer who basically trespassed and took photos of people, um, and was a stalker, um, and that like the way that everybody treated him, the way that his story went, like it seemed logical, uh, that, like the the 
the things that were revealed in that last episode about that kid yeah. uh, and the way that his life was heading, it's just like, no, th- this all makes sense. And it's like, everybody wants to make a difference and ensure that this never happens again while shitting on this, this kid. kid. Yeah. And I was just like, this is an this is excellent yeah. addition. Yeah. Like, this is such a, a poignant point. Like, you've all gotten so tied up in your heads and trying to be self-righteous and making sure this never happens again that you're all like, yeah, you're so blind it. to the fact that <laughs> it's still happening. Yeah. And you're doing yeah. it, um, and I, I like that. Uh, I I like when things like that happen, um, and it, it's just sort of like an oh shit moment. Like oh yeah, no, you guys are you're one of the reasons this is happening yeah. again. Um, but like in terms of God, like I would love. <laughs> there are some some things that I encounter, some pieces of media that I'm just like. I feel like this is an educational tool, but I have no idea how you could use it in a public setting. Yeah. Um, I feel like 13 Reasons Why is a great piece of educational media. It has a few hiccups in it, but at the end of the day, it represents... Something pretty some solid. Very, yeah, some very powerful messages about being a teenager, about things like suicide, assault, um, and just communication. Uh, and also just yeah, trying yeah. to be empathetic and, like, decent to each other. Um, because, like, kids are dicks, right? And also, as a parent, you need to understand that, yeah, the little things do matter. It doesn't, like, it doesn't matter what you think matters, because at the end of the day, if you're trying to deal with your children, you have to try to get into a headspace like theirs. You can't expect them to come up to your level. Yeah. It's just not, that, that, And when I say up... When I say up, I, I'm not mean like elevated. Uh, no, sort just of expanded world. Enlightened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I yeah. thought there were some pretty valuable lessons oh, in that. Yes, show. absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's what I uh, we <laughs> weird. Well, that was a weird ride. Um. <laughs> but uh, cool. Do you want to move into the next segment, or was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, let's go. Okay, cool. Um, so the next section is what we learned from gaming, which is, of course, the uh, the reason we're all here. So um, this is the section of the show where we pick a game, and uh, well, it's a game that we've played, and we describe it, and also what we learned from it. Um, Stu, did you want to go first, or do you want to go second? I give you the option today. You yeah. don't have to go first. <laughs> um. I think I went first the last few times. Let's let's do that again because you, uh, you did. Yeah. Oh. Well, okay, well, we do my we do you, you always do my news first, and then you talk for a bit about your news, and then I feel like it's I I need to say something. So. Oh yeah. Well, you can <sighs> say whatever you want. All right. Well, uh, this is and this is a surprise. Like I'm waiting for you to blow me. Yeah, away. I know. Cause yeah, cause uh, Chase doesn't know what game I've chosen for this week, um, because. Uh, I've I've chosen the slovenly life of disorganization, and it's wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, good but, use um, of uh, yeah. Good use of <laughs> slovenly. Uh, every use that I have for slovenly is is good. But uh, anyway, the game that I picked is uh, interestingly enough kind of in the same era as a couple of the others that I've done already. Um, I'm going to talk about a wonderful game called The Lost Vikings. Wow. Old, old, old Blizzard. Yeah. Blizzard's getting showcased. Yeah, man. yeah, <laughs> Way to go, yeah they are. No, and, and this is okay. this is going to be the last one from them forever. <laughs> no, you're going to talk about Diablo. At some Diablo point. or Starcraft, maybe. Yeah. Well, that'll yeah. be uh, probably a ways 
Ways in the future. Yeah. Lost Vikings. People might people might recognize the characters from that that other ridiculous game that they do that is really bad and they should feel bad for making, but it's probably making them oodles of money. Uh, Storm? Uh, Heroes yeah, of the Storm? Yeah, whatever of the whatever. Yeah, not as much as uh, Overwatch, but yes, Heroes of the Storm is a oh, success. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Um, so Lost Vikings, the original game, was actually put out in 92, uh, covered by Interplay. So this was actually in a similar time as uh, Rock and Roll Racing and Blackthorn. It was like the beginning when they were under Silicon Synapse. It was really good. Uh, it was a, a side-scrolly, platformy, puzzly adventure game. It wasn't really. You weren't like. L- you controlled three different Vikings. Uh, every level, you start in one place, and you have to get them to the exit of the level. They all have to arrive there. They all have to arrive alive. Each of the Vikings has some set of skills. Uh, one dude can run fast and jump. One dude's got a sword and a bow. The other dude's got a shield, which he can block things with or float gracefully and hang glide on a shield. And every level is just a sequence of, you know, various puzzles. Trying to get all your Vikings from point A to point B can involve killing some monsters or floating through places or different timing puzzles and and trying to do things uh, simultaneously with different Vikings, using all their strengths to accomplish all the goals to, you know, get them from here to there uh, there were almost yeah. almost 40 levels uh, the game was released on a bunch of different platforms and of course the sound of music is different for all of them again because that's what they did yeah you could play it co-op as well there were three vikings you would only control one at a time if you played it co-op uh, you could each control one viking and then either of you could switch to the third dude that made it. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that made it some some things a little bit easier, but that was kind of one of the interesting parts about the game. That uh, you had these three different characters, they had different play styles, but for example, the f- you had a dude with a sword and a bow whose job was to kill things. Makes sense. But the dude who ran fast could also uh, aim his his horned helmet downward and run into things. This could either open up secret walls or if you hit a monster it would do damage to them so you actually had different ways of accomplishing uh, some of the the puzzles they weren't just like it wasn't just a matter of uh, square peg square hole all the time you could you right. could kind of jerry rig yeah. things and r- you had a choice kind of try and make them work it uh, so that that made kind of puzzle solving a little bit more interesting it also let you do things like you could play really safe and bring up Mr. Shield Man to block the monster so it's not going to attack anything, not do any damage, and then come up with your warrior dude and kill it. And then hooray, nice and easy and safe. Or if you're an impatient child, like most children, and you just want to try and rush through it and beat the level, then it kind of introduces a little bit of uh, reaction time or fine motor skill or whatever you know trying to do things a little bit more optimized time-wise but perhaps not the way you're supposed to right so potential for speed running <laughs> <laughs> well well yes i guess i guess I, w- I wouldn't necessarily go as far as uh speed running capabilities but just 
different a different variety of strats and and, and play styles could be brought to the table you know sometimes you could float somewhere with the guy with the shield and sometimes you could maybe jump there with the jumpy dude yeah so interesting stuff all around and the writing was wonderful uh, the three different characters had uh, pretty pretty solid personalities given that it was just a little bit of text at the beginning and end of all the of all the missions they managed to portray quite a bit of personality which I think shouldn't be a big surprise for... Well, maybe it would be. I guess given the the caliber and the quality of some of the writing that that company has done earlier on. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I liked... There was always a bit of charm to early early Blizzard writing. Yeah. A lot of personality, a lot of character. A lot of it was really clever. Uh, even the way everything starts out is a, 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 a jab at the, the guy with the shield. He's a fatty if you leave him on the screen alone he'll like pick his nose and scratch his ass and fart and all that kind of wonderful stuff and the, gotcha. the first line of dialogue is to him saying the sign said do not touch not donuts womp womp that just that that kind of wow. yeah yeah, yeah. So that, <laughs> that kind of stuff is just it's there um, they they get to so they travel through space at time they start in prehistoric era and they go to I think Egypt and then industrial ages and future times and I don't know what else. Uh, and they eventually end up conquering this this bad man who abducted them, uh, Tomator or something like that. I don't really. Yeah. Big epic show, <laughs> show, show with the boss. It's good. It's good. Tomato. You're doing, you're doing a yeah. good job of explaining yeah, yeah. that story. Yeah. Well, well, they get abducted. It's it's. It's not. It, you don't play Lost Vikings for the story. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, it's wonderful. You, it, all your guys die, or if any of them die, you can restart the level. You have an unlimited continues. Um, they use a password system, so you can always pick up on the level that you left off. It's really nice. It's really neat. It's good. So you do get to, you know, there's a little bit of puzzle solving. There's a little bit of decision making you can try and rush things with the wrong quote unquote wrong character and uh, yeah it's it's neat you have to kind of keep track of the levels it's very exploratory because you don't know what you're going to get into and there's usually a best fit solution so you should be using some dude and you, you know, bring the wrong one forward and then die and then try to explore with the other ones see more of the level before you restart and then get a better try in and kind of slowly you know mash your vikings faces into all the problems until you get through it's good yeah hmm. it's good it's good so it's good. then so then what do you feel you learn from it well it's a little bit of uh i guess a little bit of micromanagement a little bit of uh object permanence Ooh. Ooh. that's that's really important being able to keep track of different yeah. stuff i mean if you're leaving different vikings in potentially dangerous areas and you need to deal with them or, or manage them simultaneously uh, if you're not playing co-op then that is a thing that you have to be aware of and keep track of and it also it kind of gives you a little bit of that little bit of choice deciding you know well i really like the fast guy it's a lot of fun you move faster and he can jump he's the only one who can jump so it's great to explore with him but it's so dangerous to explore with him. 
and trying to decide not only on your own play style and, and where your flex is on the play style and what you're comfortable with accomplishing with the wrong guys. And at what point do you bring it back and say, okay, no, I'm shit, I keep dying. I'm going to do this the grown-up <laughs> way. Yeah. Oh, Stu, mm-hmm. <laughs> the grown the grown up way. <laughs> uh, grown up way, boring way, proper way. I don't know. Uh, I, no, it's okay. Uh, I, I'm just enjoying. I'm enjoying. That's. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. You must have been a very mature young man <laughs> uh, for a for a four year old. I'm still not mature <laughs> for a four year old. I know. I know. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh yeah, a- okay, inventory well. management was in there too. You had to, you know, if you got a key with some guy and had to give it to somebody else as they floored off, you know, a little bit of that stuff too. Okay. Well, I've heard a lot mm. of good stuff. Was there anything bad that you didn't like? Um, you know what? People actually herald no. the controls as being really tight. I think they are. Maybe it's it's just that it hasn't aged super well. Maybe they were really tight for the time. I don't know. I th- I think occasionally the controls got a little bit frustrating. Uh, also, the if you came upon a puzzle that you could not solve, that was it. Like it, it, it like this is the oh, this is the adventure thing. game style. Yeah, dead end. this is the thing that yeah. you have to do. If you can't figure it out, and, you know, sometimes it was a secret wall somewhere that you had to, you know, magically know that you had to break. Or, like, a weird shot. I mean, there are... uh, Your dude who shoots a bow, the arrow can travel, you know, ongoing. If it goes off the screen, I think it just disappears. If you keep it on screen, it will keep traveling. So sometimes you have to shoot an arrow with him and then switch characters and when you switch character the camera pans (laughs) so then as long as the camera (laughs) panning keeps the arrow on screen then it can travel across the map and hit a button gotcha so those kinds of problems things that you can't necessarily see your first run through or sometimes just can't see it all until you happen to switch characters from opposite sides of the map or that kind of thing there are a few obtuse puzzles Uh, I think there, there aren't uh, a great number of them, but there are enough that uh, I think it's a little bit frustrating to go back. They also did uh, release a Lost Vikings 2. Okay. Which is I think not maybe not as good. I don't know. I, I would I don't know if I ever beat the second one to be honest. Okay. But um, but for cons, that's the, it's it's not it's not really that bad. I mean, it's it, the, okay. the game doesn't try to do anything super epic, so it doesn't set itself up for major failings, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's quick, it's short, it's entertaining. Um, it is, I think, also free from Blizzard when they remastered it, remastered it uh, a little while ago. I think oh, wow. you can pull it off a of Battle.net, and it just runs in DOSBox. It runs fairly well. Okay. So okay, that's cool. neat, too. It's a thing you um, can do. It's fun. Okay. Uh, speaking of remastered, uh, have you picked up your? St- are you gonna do StarCraft remastered? Uh, what do you mean, do it? Oh no, probably not. I'd be surprised. No. Um, the fourteen dollar price tag scaring you away? 
Yes. Yes. I because oh. the the free version of it I did scoop up and I've been playing. I had been playing a bunch of it. I've have had no time to play much of it recently. Yeah, because you're a busy guy. Um, but I I don't think that the. I don't know. I I haven't looked mm, too intently at the remastered version. I don't know if I would even enjoy the graphics difference. I I have no (laughs) idea, man. No idea. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm pulling you out of it. I have never played Lost Vikings or Lost Vikings 2. I think maybe I turned on Lost Vikings because there was a port for uh, Super Nintendo and I was playing through a bunch of the... ROMs on a flash drive, nice. um, and I, I figured I would give it a shot. And uh, yeah, so the problem with having a flash drive with every game on it is I want to play everything. Um, so I probably turned it on, played it for a little bit, got confused, and stopped. Um, so <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah. I've got it. I've got it on Super Nintendo, so I, I can definitely go back to it yeah. and give it a shot. It was. It was um, I, I might even have number two as well, actually. Um, yeah, I would play through the. I'd play through the first one first. Yeah, because it's I I yeah yeah yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, maybe when I uh, get this never occurring amount of time, yeah, <laughs> I'll tell give me, it a tell shot. It. Along with Serious Sam, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, okay, man. Well, then, uh, was there any other parting comments you want to throw out about uh, Lost Vikings before we move on? It's it's a good game that a five year old could play and learn a lot about teamwork. Hey, there you go. Uh, we'll be sure to pass that on to the lady <laughs> who wrote that article. <laughs> okay. I'm doing what I can. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Um, no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, okay, so then uh, that was Lost Vikings from Blizzard. Um, so I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll switch to me. Yeah. So my game tonight couldn't be f- more different than your experience. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, because you don't play Lost Vikings for the story. You play it for the gameplay, whereas you don't play the game I'm about to talk about specifically for the gameplay. Yeah. You pay it, play it more for the story. So I'm going to talk tonight about Final Fantasy 2 or Final Fantasy 4, depending on region. Um, so it was released in the U.S. as Final Fantasy II for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System back in 1991. It also released in Japan at that time, but it was released under the name Final Fantasy IV. Um, and in a sense, it's like the most ported uh, Final Fantasy out of any Final Fantasy, actually, just because the guy who was involved in its creation also ended up being in charge of... Uh, uh, what is that? Restoration and remastering. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he basically pimped his own stuff out, um, which there's nothing wrong with. It's uh, I've I've always enjoyed this game. So whatever, <laughs> yeah. man. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, the 3D stuff that you did in one of the last updates, uh, maybe maybe throw that away. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so this was produced by uh, sorry, designed and published by Squaresoft back when that's still who they were now they're Square Enix so if you're looking for this game from them uh, that's a company you'll look for Um, so the core mechanics of this game it's a JRPG so uh, when I say JRPG that's a Japanese uh, role playing game um, which there is just such a long explanation for how that came about Um, but uh, well, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're, I'm just going to get to sort <laughs> yeah. of the mechanics yeah. of it. So this is a game where you're basically uh, you're you're put on rails, um, 
and you travel in the shoes of a dark knight on a quest for redemption, gathering friends as you save the world. Um, the basic mechanics for a JRPG is uh, you have an overworld map uh, that you travel on, and it's usually uh, sort of top-down, so you look down on your character, and as you travel through those maps, uh, you'll find treasure, or in run into random encounters. When you run into random encounters, uh, the fight screen comes up, so you'll see the enemies, and then you'll see uh, your characters all lined up, uh, ready to fight, and um, basically you get to choose actions, and it's sort of a back-and-forth turn-based combat. Um, the mechanics for Final Fantasy 2, or 4, I'm just gonna call it 2, uh, the, the mechanics for Final Fantasy 2 were a little more um, stringent because you had dedicated classes. In other games, especially Final Fantasy IV, you would be able to change what class you were. Uh, and when I say classes, I mean uh, what abilities you had access to and how your character leveled. So um, there were things like magic, um, uh, things like using bows, or uh, just uh, physical attacks. And those were based on uh, those would increase in damage or increase in ability depending on the stats that leveled up, and the stats were like intelligence, agility, uh, strength, stuff like that. Um, Final Fantasy II, every single character had a class. They were stuck in that class. They never changed, with the exception of the main character, who becomes a different class at some point. Um, without giving away the story that is over twenty years old, um, <coughs> so. So, um, yeah, uh, I have always enjoyed, uh, the grind of a JRPG, so the actual walking around, exploring, getting into fights. I, I like getting into fights, I like working through the fight screen, even if some people criticize it as just holding down the A button so everybody hits everything and it dies. Um, I, I don't know exactly why. There's a term for it called like the Zen of the Grind, um, and for some reason I learned it and I've got it, and now I just do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten it's got me through almost every single Pokemon game, so I really don't mind having it. Um, but uh, in terms of personal engagement with this game, um, like I'll I'll get a little more into the story as we go. But uh, while I watched my father play through the original Final Fantasy on Nintendo, Final Fantasy II. Um, was it was my very first RPG completion uh, so like it was my first experience ever completing an RPG um, it was 1991 when it came out I'm pretty sure we got it uh, late or er, uh, mid 1992 no late 1992 when we got our Super Nintendo uh, my brother got it for Christmas and um, that would mean that I would be nine going on ten um, so very very young age to be engaging with uh, an RPG, but yeah. um, especially one of that scope. Yes. Um, now, I mean, in terms of difficulty, the uh, Final Fantasy II that we got in uh, the U.S. and Canada, so North America, um, it was easier than what came out in Japan. Uh, they were worried that if it was too hard, people would start to resent the brand, which wasn't the case. Um, I mean, I can't say for sure. Uh, basically, RPGs were huge in Japan, and they wanted people to like RPGs in the States, and I would argue that Final Fantasy II is a very good entry point for anybody looking to learn how to play the mechanics, especially if you're younger. Um, 
Now, uh, the jump between the, the Nintendo Entertainment System's graphics and abilities compared to the Super Nintendo Entertainment System's graphics and abilities, like, I, I can't understate that enough. One of the major draws, or overstate that enough, one of the major draws was uh, the sound. The game sounded amazing, it had a great score, the original Final Fantasy theme was basically upped uh, to 16-bit quality sound, which who cares now but at the time I, I just remember just being blown away by the music in this game everything was engaging uh, the colors were so vibrant and um, that like when when I was younger um, I mean now I don't care so much about the quest for graphics uh, because everything's getting so close to realism that it's not that big a deal but uh, but it, uh, um, that, prettying up that quest into yeah. fantasy like the, it's it was that much more fantasy right Yes, it was actually, yeah, it was a, a very, very interesting thing. Now, um, what's interesting is, okay, so I'm 9 going on 10 uh, playing this game, right? And the story is so, s like, it's pretty simple, right? It's like, there's a big bad, um, you're... You start out, you're this badass, you're the boss of uh, these really, really cool knights from this castle, but your king's an asshole. He kicks you out of the army, um, or he threatens to kick you out of the army, and he strips you of your title and says you have to do this thing. If you don't do this thing, you're in more trouble, so you go and do this thing, and your friend comes along with you. Um, and then the you know basically the the story expands and it's all just this epic quest to save these uh, world protecting crystals that of course you don't save and you're fighting this big bad who ends up being your brother big reveal um, <laughs> and um, he ends up being good at the end and you're just fighting this faceless um, magic evil that could destroy the whole universe if you don't stop it. Um, and that's really how most Final yeah, Fantasies go. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like normal plot there. Uh, yeah, there's some uh, there's some love elements in there, some relationship elements in there. Um, I remember growing up, I would change the names of the characters to people I knew, and the 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 girl in the game, who was the love interest of the main character. Of course, she'd be the whatever young lady I was secretly interested in at the time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's when I think about this game, because some people play this game now and they're just like, I don't get yeah. it. You know, like, I just, I don't get the appeal. And here's what I've come to think. Um, the mechanics in this game, this, because uh, this game was revolutionary. It did a number of things that uh, would continue moving forward. Like, aside from establishing a very clear representation of the classes that you would, like, and when I say clear, I mean setting an aesthetic so setting the imagery setting the themes for for these types of classes so like the dark knight when you see a dark knight in final fantasy now you, you know, know who it is, is yeah. when when you see a dragoon you know who it is uh when you see a black mage you know who it is when you see a summoner doing their shit like when they summon stuff you're just like oh that's a summoner you know like oh there's a frit oh i get it um like this is so much of this stuff has been building up to this point and then it just showcases on Super Nintendo in a way in North America that would set the standard and everybody would understand this was a vocabulary that would be built on for decades and it's still it's still happening right um, <laughs> although they take almost a decade to make games now um, I think 15 took almost 10 years although uh, I think the uh, the evolution of um 
armor has has changed a little bit. Think, yeah. Uh, yeah. It d- it depends what you're playing because the uh the online games all stick to this aesthetic. Yeah. So they're like the the ninja class, dragoon class, uh, dark knight class, like it's all it's all similar yeah visuals. It's just uh, you know, fancy online like World of Warcraft style play. Um actually I hear 14's really good. Um but I definitely don't have time to get into a new MMO or the money. Uh, so, <laughs> tell us about it, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> tell us why it's good. Um, so, I mean, uh, I'm just I'm trying to trying to explain the the things that I take away from this um, narrative. Uh, like this was a game that got me interested in narrative construction. Um, the story isn't awesome i'll give it that right and this is one of those games where if you don't have the nostalgia goggles or you're not young and naive enough to find the story engaging it's probably not going to click for you but like what and this sort of ties into the whole 13 reasons why and five-year-old learned more from video gaming <laughs> yeah, than sesame yeah, yeah. street like this was a building block for me um, I, I would say cognitively, right? Like, this helped me understand... I mean, the, the bad guy was, like, this mush, mustache twirling, like, ooh, I'm old as, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna destroy the world, yeah. you know? It's just, like... But it, it's, like, okay, like, this is helping define genre, this is helping define personalities, this is helping define characters, so it's just, like, okay, this guy's a good guy, that guy's a bad guy, um, these two love each other, this guy's jealous that they love each other, this girl has an unfortunate past, but now she's got a boyfriend. You know, it's just sort of like it. It was immature, but it was written in a way that appealed to like young me, and uh, and I could follow it. And what was weird is when you're older and you're just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, like at the time, it made sense, and I'm just like, I I gotta do a hats off to Square for that. Um, their earlier games did a really good job of catching the imagination of the people of a right age playing them. Um, and, like, y- you criticize them now, uh, and it's easy to criticize them now, because when you look at them, it, you're just like, okay, there's not really a lot there. Um, but, this is just like the Zelda argument from all the way back in the beginning when we started this, uh, this podcast, where it's like, there are things that will happen in your life when you're playing a game and it will just click and suddenly like your vocabulary your your gaming literacy just expands now final fantasy 2 slash 4 was the best entry i could ever imagine for myself into rpgs right now i don't know how much experience you've had with uh console rpgs but like this is the like it's it's the the best <laughs> representation of what it was in that era. Yeah. Um, it had all the best aspects of that era of uh, of gaming. Um, I mean, Chrono Trigger would blow it out of the water. Like if you want a great JRPG yeah, um, experience, Chrono Trigger. Yeah, Chrono Trigger is the game to play. But like in terms of building my vocabulary and getting me to understand mechanics and all sorts of things like that for for gaming literacy for JRPGs. This game did it. This game is is uh, it was that important stepping stone. And um, 
I don't know if I'm explaining it properly. Like, I, well, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I feel like I'm well, kind of floundering I, I, with it. I think for me, the thing is, uh, yeah, I didn't grow up with a console. Um, so for me, the first JRPG-ish game that I played was when I bought a PlayStation for Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Now, FF7 um, was the first one where they started to do a crap ton of cinematics, and they started doing a lot more yeah. storytelling through that. I mean, there's still a lot of exposition yes. in FF7, but I think a lot of... I think a lot of the elements that you found in FF2, a lot of people that are a little bit younger than both of us probably got out of FF7. Right, and you know what? Like you, you just hit on a really important point. This game existed prior to rendered cutscenes, right? Final Fantasy VII used the hell yeah. out of rendered cutscenes, which at the time were beautiful, and now you're just like, oh fuck! Yeah. Um, like I threw up <laughs> in my mouth a little bit. Um, but like, still, still, so still no voice was, acting, <laughs> even in the yeah, cutscenes. I know, but <laughs> I know. Well, th- then it would have been seventeen discs instead of yeah, like three, yeah. right? Um, two or three, whatever it was. Um, so, like, everything that was conveyed in this was conveyed through cute little 16-bit sprites, and we're talking early SNES, so we're, like, very, very simple. Yeah. And it could be things like the sprite jumps, twirls around, waves a hand, um, not even expressions yet. You wouldn't get expressions yeah. until, I think, Final Fantasy V and VI. Um so like everything was based on words uh so like if you <laughs> uh, what was really weird is i was identified in grade seven as not being able to read um which i found really entertaining because i'd been reading rpgs for a very long time um it, it was just i uh the, i guess the the concept of reading through a book didn't happen uh and then my mother was just like okay well we got to get this kid to read we're just going to pay him uh, we're just going to pay him a quarter for every book that he reads. Well, then I just burned through every book that we owned and made a bunch of money. Um, so, like, basically, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that I couldn't read. It was that I was lazy and sorry, Mama, I guess I took advantage of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, I mean, that reflected in my grades. And it, it was, yeah, it was like these skills were there, right? Like, I had been reading the whole time. It's just the stuff that... I should have been engaging with at school was never even close to being as interesting as the stuff that I was seeing on the screen. Oh yeah. And I think maybe this is where I get a little anxious when I read that story about about the five year old because it's just like, okay, this kid has played through Thimbleweed Park, which is a well crafted, and as, as far as I can tell through uh, through reviews, like a good story, like, and now he's gonna have to read about like a big brown dog in grade oh, one. Oh yeah. Oh right? yeah! Like what the? Yeah, like that kid is gonna be bored out of his mind and so detached and unengaged. Like uh, I mean, unless there are video games in the classroom, which you and I have talked about, we're not sure that there will be, uh, or how much of a success there's gonna be there. And even then, those games will probably be very simplistic compared to what he's used to. Um, so what I'm worried will end up happening is this: uh, this woman's five-year-old will be just so bored. Um, in school, I compared to when yeah, they're at home. I would not be surprised by that in the least. And as long as, as long as the kid has enough character to get through that boredom, I, it won't necessarily do him a ton of harm. 
It's just that at that point, the education system <laughs> yeah. isn't doing him any good. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's um, bad. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, and this is us discussing a system we don't really understand yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just, like, my personal experience, which, again, is now quite dated, um, and your personal experience, <laughs> which is also a little bit dated, less dated than me, but not by much. Um, like, I don't know, there was just so many things that you could do in this game that were interesting. There's this one point where uh, you hang out with these two twins and they're magicians, and uh, they, they make a sacrifice. They basically change themselves to stone to stop a trap from closing on you. Um, and it works, right? They, they freeze in place, um, and then you go and you fight the big bad, honoring their sacrifice, and you win, and then you come back. And what's really interesting, like, this game had a... And, uh, again, full circle, it's the small things that really count in, in a story like this, right? Like, it's uh, anything that deviates from the norm. So, aside from the fact that everybody in this game seemed to want to kill themselves for the sake of the cause, which, whatever it was, like, there's this one um, kung fu guy who, like, basically throws himself at enemies and quotation marks, dies, uh, like, two or three times. <laughs> but, uh, um, like, those, those uh, magicians freezing themselves in, in stone like you have the option to go and inspect them and you can try and use items on them and nothing you do works but I'm just like what an interesting thing to add and I remember spending a lot of time and when I say a lot of time like imagine how much time we threw into Star Wars and Ghostbusters <laughs> like I described earlier like scouring the world for items that would Something unfreeze these characters them, yeah. Right? Because it was a black mage and a white mage, and it's just like, nobody else, you didn't get any other concentrated classes like that, again, for a long time. And, like, you loved the black mage and the white mage, if you were familiar with Final Fantasy. Like, they were great classes. And more importantly, these were engaging, like, young twins that were funny, they were goofy. If you were young, you are just like, ah, you'd laugh at the jokes. And you're like, I want these people in my party the entire game. Um, and so, like you had this attachment to these two characters that were frozen in stone and you had this weird sort of like uh, fish hook uh, like this bait to just keep coming back and trying it and guess what you can't unfreeze them right like it just doesn't happen yeah. and I'm just like what a weird cruel lesson but that's the thing it's not a weird or cruel lesson it's just a lesson that as adults, we're not comfortable teaching to children for some reason. Things yeah, about loss, point. like we, we talked about that a couple episodes ago, I think, about how we we don't we don't teach kids about grief or sorrow or We're not accurately or properly. So, and no. and this is one of those things where you had this thing and you were attached, and now it's gone. You know, it's like your first pet dying, or that it's that in that s similar vein of yeah badness. Yeah, and, and uh, it, I mean, they... It, 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 it's weird that it's... Square. It's something that's so important, and yet it has to come as, like, a side <laughs> lesson from something that most people don't <laughs> engage with. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, uh, extra credits, and um, I'm... Uh, just as a heads up, I'm going to start doing show notes once uh, the website's up. I'm going to go through all the episodes and make sure that everything gets uh, proper mm -hmm. notation. Mm -hmm. um, but extra credits just released a really good video on um, experiencing trauma and representing it in video games and it's all uh, the, their latest video is about 
um, how Harley Quinn in Injustice 2, the story mode, uh, like how she's a broken person who's experienced trauma, like she's worked under the Joker for years, um, and just uh, like uh, representing character growth, um, and God, I mean, actually this ends up going right back to 13 Reasons Why, like what you have to understand is like, um, when you experience loss, when you experience any kind of trauma, like, there, maybe you don't get better, <laughs> right? Maybe even after that, that, that thing happens, like, you don't get better, like, it's not, like, you will learn strategies, you will cope, you will, you know, start to engage with society again, but, you know. Yeah, the uh, phrase is, it doesn't get better, but it gets easier, right? Yes. Thank you, Stu. Um, now, Square would completely ruin any kind of significant lesson that you might have learned about loss by bringing those characters back at the end of the game. Uh, <laughs> so, because so, nobody can actually die in an early Final yeah. Fantasy. That's just not how it works. Um, not unless it's Final Fantasy VI and you just choose to let somebody die. Because okay. um, FF7 yeah. was sped run. Sped run? Speed ran? Sped ruined. Speed, speed ruined. With is FF7 was speed ruined at this last. Uh, we are SGTQ. getting off the rails. No, here. I'm just saying. It, yeah. In in uh, everyone was, um, of course, emotionally touched by the loss of the two the two characters in that story that everyone gets super sad about. Well, at least one of them, right? Man, like I don't even care no, about no, but no, like, no. In, not, in truth, nobody gives no. a shit about Eris, but. Um, Nanaki's father. Everyone always gets so sad Aww. when they hear about Nanaki's dad. Yeah, and so that they did, I guess, some decent-ish things with loss in FF7. That's the closest you get. And then they spoil it by not properly killing Kate Sith when he gets miniaturized and he's inside the thing. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Hooray, Kate Sith is dead!" And then the motherfucker comes back, and it's uh, yeah, he whatever. comes back. Okay. Any, well, anyway, um, so there's some death in, in yeah. moving forward from that. So, yeah. So I mean, like we've we've talked about the we've talked about the pros for this game. I'm gonna talk about the cons quick, and then I think we're gonna move on. So like uh, like, uh, sorry, pros like very approachable JRPG really represents the heart of classic SquareSoft game creation um, and features some of the most memorable character classes in the franchise history. Uh, now, cons is the story is simple and silly. And if you aren't, <laughs> if you aren't deep into nostalgia like I am, or um, you're not young and naive enough to find it engaging, you'll you'll likely be left wondering like, why do people care about this game? Um, this game also requires a little bit of grinding. If you're playing just the original number two for SNES, it's very easy. So you can basically, as long as you're fighting every fight that you encounter, you, you should be able to breeze through it. Um, but if you're playing the version that came on out on GBA or any of the later versions where the difficulty scaled back up to what it's supposed to be, you're going to have to do some grinding. Um, I love the Zen of the Grind, so that isn't an issue. But if you don't like grinding, probably not a game for you. Um, so that is it for me in Final Fantasy II. Maybe we'll come back to it someday if somebody else wants to talk about it. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I took from yeah. it. It's good. Okay, so um, next section is what can you teach us? So Stu and I love talking about video games, but we also really enjoy hearing from you. 
if you like uh, or if you feel like you have a valuable lesson that you've learned from a game like feel free to share it with us so just send it to learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com or if you just want to talk to us and fill up our email section that's cool too so I do have one email uh, it is from Robert Ring from Classic Gaming Podcast, and it is... Wait, so do they not teach grammar in Canadian schools? Can can you explain that here? Okay, I think it's a bit bigger than that. I just got to blow it up. Uh, can you please explain? Is it just literature? Um, <laughs> do they hope that you catch on to something? Also, you guys made me interested in checking out Serious Sam. Great, or a good episode, keep it up. So there you go. Um, the Serious Sam is spreading. Yeah. As for uh, as for uh, grammar, Stu, you can speak about your experience. I've got a very good understanding. I actually went and looked at a, a, an Ontario curriculum about four years ago, so I, I know where they teach grammar. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, what uh, what do you want to? Say so anything. Here? I, I didn't go through the normal school system, so I'm I'm an outlier on this. I was ta- I was taught grammar um, through both primary and secondary. But when I when right. I got to post secondary, I encountered people who had not learned grammar. I I want to explain that to you. And it it was it like I I get I get okay go. Okay, so uh, in the last version of the Ontario curriculum that I looked at, keep in mind this is dated, so it may have changed. There was a period in time where grammar was considered intuitive, and it was an option to teach it. It was an option to teach it. It was either in grade one or grade two, um, and it said in brackets in the curriculum construction, optional. Uh, After that, you did not have to touch it. You did not have to return to it. Um, there was no point during the progression. I mean, spelling was still a big thing. So spelling and literature still a big thing. Um, and I guess they just sort of assumed that narrative criticism and stuff like that, like you would just intuitively get that too. Um, but there was a stretch there <laughs> in Ontario curriculums where grammar was optional and considered Intuitive, so you would just pick it up through engaging in conversation, um, which is interesting because then we also had because uh, Canadian schools you're you're required to take French uh, up to a certain grade level. If you are in any province other than Quebec, you're required to take French to a certain grade level, and then you can stop if you want to, or you can keep going. Um, if you're in Quebec, you learn French natively, and then you're required to take English. Um, so, what was weird is we learned more about grammar in French, in French than, English. <laughs> than, yeah, than we did in English. And I wonder if that's why they think it was intuitive, but that's still not the way to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are probably, there's probably, uh, I'd say, the span of a single generation in Ontario that probably doesn't have a solid grasp on grammar, and hopefully that they've rectified that. Um, and it, again, it was optional, so it depended on the teacher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, try. So I hope that answers your question, Robert. Um, but yeah, and, go and ahead. Yes, it, it as silly as that probably does sound to most rational people, it is exceedingly difficult to have a conversation about like an adverbial phrase when people don't know 
what an adverb is and they wouldn't be able to conjugate that and understand what the ver- word adverbial means so <laughs> <laughs> yes w- well we both also went through english in post-secondary so yeah we probably had more frustrations with people who were less formally educated with parts of speech than, oh, than Stuart, others did you did you ever take the um because i ended up going into right so like i i do technical writing professionally now um but i ended up uh going through the writing stream because initially i had like big dreams and nobody had any expectations of me so i wanted to be a professional like writer but like fiction writer so i had to take a bunch of other writing courses in order to get to the actual uh, like the the classes where you and I bonded the most, like the uh, the literary journalism and then um, the creative writing class. Uh, like there were certain steps that I had to take in order to be even eligible to enter those. Um, and one of them was this like essay writing class, which also taught you grammar that I resented so much because I was just like, I know all this stuff without realizing that so many people other people didn't. didn't. <laughs> um, uh. Wow. And so I I never went to class. I skipped every single class and in the final exam, thank God it wasn't my prof marking, it was the um <laughs> it was my TA, my teaching assistant because the final exam was write a paragraph. After you've written the paragraph, identify these grammatical items. So it was like noun, pronoun, adjective, adverb, um and my my paragraph was this class was a waste of time like <laughs> like i just just oh no i just ripped the class apart and then i did it and like i got uh like not engaging with the class not going to any of the classes except for the mandatory mandatory attendance stuff and doing all the the quizzes and assignments like i got i got an 88 yeah right which in post secondary is unheard secondary for me bachelor of art class yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because English, uh, if you're not publishing something in a journal, it's not it's 90%. Not, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, That's sorry, weird. we just nerded out hard there. Oh. Yeah. Um, no, I, di- I didn't have any classes like that, fortunately. Oh, I, I, God, I got you, to missed, you missed the I boat got on to, that one. That was I awesome. I got to take, like, all, all, the, all the theory, all the rhetorical theory, all the discursive stuff. Oh, that class ran at 8 o- That class ran at 8 o'clock on a Friday morning. And it was Alexander, so our creative writing prof, and he would play, Smooth like, jazz. He, oh, he would play just the worst music, and he loved it. Like he <laughs> ate it up. He knew, he knew, <laughs> what was happening. Um, oh, he yeah. would just play like uh, these weird Jamaican metal drums, um, just like uh, these weird Caribbean beats, and he would come in and like the weirdest stuff, like stuff I I don't see him in normally, like uh, when we would go to other yeah. classes, like. He would wear like Hawaiian shirts, and I'm just like, is he just on a trip? And then I just stopped going because I'm like, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> um, and then I ended up having him, and he was actually an all right prof for other yeah. stuff. It was just yeah, like he was, he was, he was probably guy, yeah. taking that class as yeah, he was probably taking that class as seriously as yeah. we were, or as I yeah, was for um, sure. Oh wow, what a rant. Okay, so thank you, Robert, uh, for that one. Do you do you want to address anything else uh, for him and for that? Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I think we I think we answered that, that that question. I think we hit on some of the <laughs> ramifications of the decisions of our educational system. Um, uh, yeah. that's that's, um, that's good. I mean, yeah, 
yeah that's yeah that, it, the satisfying. result is if yeah it well I, I, and i mean just to just to help people understand like post secondary education or post secondary education costs money right um so you're going to university you're going to a college to take these courses to like learn about grammar after you've left the public the public system or the catholic system or the private system whatever system you're in um like that's a $500 course $500 to be taught grammar which should be taught in a public setting okay that's nuts and, uh, and the thing that kills me is like it's not it's not rocket appliance like it's it's pretty simple to get through the basic parts of speech you know it's not like yeah Like, the, the decisions of people creating these curriculums, like, they have they have ramifications. And, like, that was a dollar value. Um, <laughs> so, like, and people still skipped it. So <laughs> people are throwing their money away. Yeah. Um, so, uh, next section is what we've been playing. So, Stu, <laughs> what have you been playing? I, uh, I have... I've taken a wee peek at... A couple of games actually i uh, the steam this the steam summer sale thing uh, i scooped up planet base and infested planet i have a little bit of time into each of them planet base is a little bit frustrating infested planet is uh, kind of like a tactical thing they're both interesting through i don't know um more of my time as in Still, still not a lot, but more has gone has gone <laughs> okay. into. I'm trying to get through Salt and Sanctuary. I'm I'm yeah, I'm I finally actually able to get a little bit of time in that. I picked up that game ages ago. It's like 2D side scroller Dark Souls for what it's worth. Yeah. Big skill tree, very very punishing kind of platformy medieval setting fantasy setting because there's magicy things. It's neat. It's fun. It's it can be very frustrating. I think I've sworn more while playing Salt and Sanctuary <laughs> than I have <laughs> probably all other games combined over the last two years. And I've I'm like yeah. six hours into this Salt and Sanctuary run. So yeah, it's not a forgiving it, game. The first bits aren't so bad, and I even this because I had tried to get through it a couple other times previously, and just hit walls at some point. And just got got too frustrated, like unable to invest enough time to actually get good. So <laughs> I yeah. went and lo- looked up some of the some decently strong builds and didn't pick the ones that are supposed to make it a, a joke, but something that is at least not going to be a massive hindrance to me. And I'm yeah. progressing decently, and but it's still like the first couple times fighting a boss where you don't know. Oh yeah, you have to dodge different ways depending on which way their forearm is facing, and you can't can see which way their form is facing because you're looking you know, somewhere <laughs> else for those three frames and oh, it, yeah that that can be really frustrating and then you're stun locked and then you're dead ha, ha, ha. oh so fun respawn do sounds it again great. yeah that sounds that sounds really <laughs> good i definitely yeah definitely want to play that yeah. game it's if you like to if thank you for <laughs> it by the way you gave it to me as a gift <laughs> Definitely gonna play it now. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. 
Yeah. Now, I wonder if I played it first and thought Chase would like this, or if I played it first and thought, <laughs> screw you, Chase. It is kind or of a, I actually it is kind of a Metroidvania. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there is a there, there's a decent amount of exploration. If you do pick a decent build it isn't it isn't super punishing then the bosses will be a little bit difficult but like a few tries and you'll be fine on a boss it's not it's not really it's not super punishing there's still the some bosses that i crush the first time i meet them it's just every now and then you do get a death where you think how in the flying fuck was i supposed to avoid that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it just uh, it, it wow. happens whatever yeah so is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, just because it's been a couple of weeks, so um, I'm glad that you're doing a bunch of real life stuff too. So yeah, that's, uh, that's I great. better slow down soon because man, I want to be on sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, well, it is the summer. You could actually try and have a little vacation, but I think I'm, you're gonna. I do am that doing shortly. that, but away from computers, so I, I yeah. won't be playing Salt and Sanctuary. I will be actually relaxing, not pretending to yeah. relax and trying not to punch a hole in my monitor. Yeah. Okay. Well, for what I've been playing, uh, I actually I've got a, uh, an okay list. Um, I played Dreadnought. Now, do you know anything about Dreadnoughts, yes. too? I do. No. Some, most now, people probably won't. Yeah, so Dreadnought right now it's in uh, it's an open beta, uh, and it is a basically a third person shooter, uh, team based combat, um, and it plays very much like um, like World of Tanks. So you you choose a vehicle, you get in that vehicle, um, and you punish the other team. Um, I expect that there's going to be a lot more going to this game as it moves towards release. Uh, for what it is right now, it's alright. Um, I, I actually didn't mind the experience, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I like flying a capital ship, because that's why it's called a Dreadnought, like you fly these super-sized ships. Um, very much like Fractured Space, which is a, a similar concept. Um, but I feel like this is done a little bit better. Okay. It feels smoother. It looks better. Um, I enjoy Fractured Space, but I, I feel like I would want to play this more. The only thing is, again, it's a grind, and even though I love the Zen of the Grind, I don't have the time. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Dreadnought is probably not going to see too much more play hmm. from me. Um, at least not right now. You know, maybe as time frees up, because I have been enjoying playing it, but... Uh, not right now. So, um, what were your thoughts on Dreadnought? I I haven't actually played it. It's just it's been oh, it's been on my radar it. in terms of, um, just like potential potential game. It's fun. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, if you liked World of Tanks at all, I don't know if you're going to be able to get other people into it. That's the yeah. only thing because I think playing with, with a group is going to be a lot ideal way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, yeah, I would recommend checking it out if you want to try and get a group to do it, but I don't know if you can actually get people yeah. to commit. Um, it's hard to shift your group of friends away from that Smite game. Uh, no, it's not. Uh. It's really not. <laughs> Trust me, it's not. Um, so then the next game that I played, I remember telling everybody that uh, I was sort of going to double down. I had sort of realized that mobile gaming is kind of the way to do when you're a new dad. Um, so I did that. Uh, I ended up picking up uh, Blaster Master Zero on my uh, 3DS. 
because it was available on the store. It was pretty cheap. I think it was like 11 bucks. Um, so I just picked it up, and it's uh, kind of like a spiritual... Well, no, actually an official remake of Master Blaster, which was a pretty famous and tough game for Nintendo. Uh, the difference being with this version, it looks nicer, and um, it has save points, which uh, really help out, because yeah. you die a lot in that game. Um, so it's got two types, uh, sort of like a platforming, you're in a tank and you can jump out and just be yourself, like a little dude in powered armor, um, and then there's the exploration part where it's sort of a top-down kind of shooter experience, where you also fight a bunch of bosses and stuff, uh, kind of like Zelda. It's sort of like if Mega Man and Zelda shared the same game. Hmm. That's the best way I can describe it. Um... And uh, it's been fun. It's tough. It's a tough game, at least for me, uh, who I've spent way too much time playing uh, turn-based strats and RPGs. So <laughs> my platforming <laughs> skills aren't what they used yeah. to be, um, and my boss fighting skills aren't what they used to be. Um, but other than that, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun little game. If you've got spare change, I would recommend it. It's also on the Switch right now, so uh, yeah. If you got a Switch, just you've got the money to buy this game, so go ahead. <laughs> um, next up was I played a, a DS game because the 3DS is backwards compatible. So I I own Etrian Odyssey 2, and I forgot. So I started playing that. And this game, um, something that a lot of people don't know, is Japan fell in love with the Wizardry series mm. um, and started producing their own clones and never stopped. So imagine uh, a game that has the amount of affection and respect for wizardry being produced in the 2000s um, and you get Etrian Odyssey. Now the Etrian Odyssey series is very well respected by uh, a number of people just uh, for some of the things that they do. Uh, all the stuff from wizardry is basically there. You get to build your own, uh, build your own uh, party uh, you explore a dungeon and you get further and further and further in it. But what is really interesting about this game um, is because it's on the DS, there's a built-in map uh, editor. So you can actually draw the map as you go. If you die, your party gets wiped. But if you are drawing that map, whatever you have drawn stays. So your effort doesn't disappear. It's like you're drawing it on the graph paper, but it's just in the game. Um, so like you're you're and if you your entire party wipes, then you're dead. And I think I'm not 100 percent sure because I haven't done the research on it, and I'm sorry for that. I'm pretty sure that Etrian Odyssey this has been a feature for every game so far. Uh, the newest edition is going to be Etrian Odyssey 5, and it's coming out for the 3DS. And I'm going to pick that up because I'm liking what's happening in Etrian Odyssey 2, and um, yeah, if we're, what, uh, three generations ahead from that game, I can only imagine. Um, because every time one of these games gets released, people seem to... The people who play it, because the, the problem is it's a cult following, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, seem to really, really enjoy it. So, uh, what's... And this is released by Atlas. Now, Atlas also snagged the rights to Wizardry. Um, and they did release, I think it's a Wizardry 7 back on PlayStation 2, yeah. but I'm not sure if they've released any since because Etrian Odyssey has kind of taken its place. Okay, I'm trying to remember uh, another... 
Oh crap! I'm not gonna be able to find it. There's a, there's a <laughs> there's a game there's a game that's a thing that's like it's a static town and a static dungeon, but the dungeon is huge. It's massive, uh, like hundreds of levels deep. And the objective yeah. is to like get to the bottom and I don't know find a shiny key or some shit. I don't remember. But is it a PC it, game? It w- was a PC game. Is a PC game. It was the second iteration of the series, but it had this aspect where whenever you went, when people in your party died, you could take their body and res them if you got back to town safely, or if everyone in your party died, you could either pay massive sums of gold for people to go and, like, take their corpses back to the church to be resurrected, and maybe it would work and maybe it wouldn't, I think, or just start a new party and go, and eventually yeah. hopefully get back down to that point and if you like to <laughs> so like if you, you do these like multiple uh, forays into this dungeon with and yeah. like everybody starts at level one and you level up i think the max level was 500 but you could be 500 in five of the 15 different classes or something so you're like forever building up and you finally get to a point where one of your old parties dies died and you go oh good this cleric was way better than the schmuck i have now so you you know pick up all their bodies and take them back to town res them reform your party make your a list again and go back into the dungeon and it was it's really neat that they had the static thing with party wipes and making the party wipe like uh, a really interesting innovative part of the game it was neat okay well that's yeah that's interesting um Again, just shortage on time. I haven't had enough time to spend yeah. with that tree in Odyssey too. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I've I've been wiped once, but I was so attached to my characters that I just reset. Flung the DS out going, the window. Yeah, I get. It. <laughs> yeah, instead of going and well, no, instead of going back down and and yeah. seeing if I actually drop anything. So I don't know that oh, mechanic. Okay. I haven't I haven't researched yeah. enough, so I'm not sure if there's a mechanic like that in this game. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if there is in some of the newer ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, because what this game really does, as far as I can tell, is, uh, I mean, it seems like they're innovating uh, on the concept, but, I mean, I've played Wizardry. Mm-hmm. I also played Wizardry 7 back on the uh, the PS2, so, mm-hmm. like, one of the... It was either Wizardry 7 or Wizardry 5, whatever. Um, so, like, I'm familiar with the concept, um, and this is just building on it, and I think it does a good job. Uh, so I think they're trying to innovate, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they're also just sort of quotation marks borrowing yeah. <laughs> the yeah. the best parts of whatever is going in and in, into that genre right now well that, so. that's that's really fascinating because I, I i i've been waiting for something like that i haven't really seen anything interesting come out like nothing that's pushed forward from wizard wizardry or like the dungeon master that i was talking about right we see things like legend of grimrock but that's the closest anyone's gotten and it's kind of yeah. it's kind of crappy so i i don't know i'm I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Well. Yeah. This one's like JRPG turn-based. Yeah. Uh, turn-based yeah. combat. Um, so I know that some games it was like uh, you would actually yeah, the, you hit the buttons and it's all happening in real time. I think Dungeon Master was like that. Yeah. Right? But that that's yeah definitely debatable whether or not that's good. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah. I never really liked that format. No, if I can be no, honest. No. It's um, it's very problematic. I think. Yeah. Uh, I have one more game, and I'm not really thrilled to talk about it. <laughs> is it, is it because another it is, hentai game? 
No, it's not a hentai <laughs> game. It's a it's a mobile game, and it's called Arena of Saiyans Dream Squad, and it is a Dragon Ball Z mobile game. Oh, nice, nice. And it is the worst kind of I want you to pay money to play this game garbage. Uh, that for some reason I just keep playing. Um, so basically, you just uh, <laughs> uh, you form a squad of heroes based on the Dragon Ball Z characters, because right now I'm deep in uh, Dragon Ball Super, uh, which is the newest version of the Dragon Ball series. And I was just like, yeah, you know what, I'll give it a shot, I'll try it. And I find myself playing it. I've played it a lot. Um, I haven't thrown any money at it yet, thank goodness. Uh, there's enough access to the resources, but man, I just... I want to just go off on free to play sometime, but this is not the venue for it. I'm saving I'm saving myself for a very specific venue where I can just say stop. <laughs> free to play. Like stupid free to play format is horrible. You know what? I think you should pick one of these weeks you should just pick the game that was the ru- ruined for you the most by free to play model. And turn that into your, your educational Ooh, lesson. What you learned gaming, from gaming yeah. was I played this game and now I shit on everything for you to play. I, I've, I've played so many now that I've actually lost track. Yeah. Uh, I've got one that I was playing for almost a year that I think I could talk about. And <laughs> it is so hard to approach again. Not because it's a bad game. Like, I, I like the mechanics in the game. But yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe next uh, episode will and be me explaining why, you hate why free, free to play is but not great. And, and my, yeah. my biggest and sole counterpoint is going to be the game that over the span of my life I've probably spent the most time playing, which is Smite. Are you serious? Oh, probably. Yeah. Wow. We, I, I used to stream it very regularly, right? So. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and okay. That's interesting. I'd never thought and that. And Smite is, technically, it's free to play, and they have that every year. You can buy just their god pack. It's $20, and you get on, like all of the available gods and any new gods that they release. So it's it's free to play, and you don't need to pay anything if you don't want. And if you do want to, it's extremely convenient to to get all of the functionality of the game with a single price and after that everything is cosmetic and it's wonderful it's a it's the best example of free to play that i mean it's technically free to play i think i i would if you're going to play the game seriously i think the 20 dollar price tag is kind of attached yeah that's okay well i've in my extensive experience with free-to-play, it's been my personal experience that throwing a little bit of money at these games uh, is the best way to play. Yeah, just to get past just to get past a couple of massive hurdles until you're bored of the game and then you go to the next one, right? Yes, in which case, money lost. You Well, I mean, depending on how much time yeah. you put into it, but... Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I don't even feel like describing exactly how the playstyle is for that game. Um, if somebody's playing, or if somebody likes Dragon Ball Z, they'll check yeah. it out. Uh, otherwise, it's not really worth talking about. Um, so I guess we'll uh, we'll move to the close. So uh, that's it for this episode. Um, I'd just like to thank everybody for listening. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed <laughs> listening to us talk about all kinds of stuff. This was a really yeah. We, we touched episode. on all kinds of things. 
touches. Yeah, just gently. Yeah. No, um, gentle touches. Like, compassionate gentle touches, good touch. Respectful, consenting touches. Um, except for except, that article, yeah. I feel like maybe that mother would be a little bit upset with some of the stuff Why? that we said. I don't um, think so. I don't know. I don't know. It's the small things, too. Her, her child um, is small. So that... <laughs> oh, my God. I refuse any modest proposals from you. Um, so then, uh, if you want to know, wow, you know what? No, let's just stop. Uh, Stu, did you have anything you wanted to plug this week aside from your modest proposal to um, the baby? I, uh, I think the the SGDQ vods, I would say, and um, like check them out, see if speedrunning is a thing that you're interested in, whether or not you are some of the games are interesting, some of the commentary is interesting and keep an eye on, if, if you are keen to see that kind of thing, there are Summer Games Done Quick is not the only GDQ, there's uh, Awesome Games Done Quick is, is I think the bigger event keep your eyes on it uh, you could see more speedrunners doing more things and it's a, it's a fantastic charity cause so uh, pay attention to those because they're great yeah, man, I hear you. Um, and it, it, yeah, there were some there's some pretty fun runs. I I enjoyed watching it. Um, well, what I did, I didn't watch a lot of it, but um, for me, uh, I think right now uh, a big shout out. I'm gonna send a big shout out to um, uh, if you go if you if you're a member on Fiverr, which is uh, basically a commissioning site. So if you do design digital marketing, writing, uh, music, anything like that. If you want to be commissioned to do stuff like that, this site is for you. Um, or if you're looking for somebody to do some commissioning work, this site is for you. Now, we had our uh, theme song commissioned. Um, we're breaking it up, and it's going to be in basically every single episode once the website goes live. So I'm going to do a shout-out to Dimitri, who on Fiverr, his profile name is Mental Cow Cow. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he put together uh, the music for this show. Um, we really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, if, uh, if you're doing a podcast, you want some uh, chiptune music, I highly re recommend this guy. So, uh, yeah, that's it for my shout-outs for this week. Um, that's, good. that's good that we, we got that shout-out on episode five. <laughs> yes, it's it seems where, a bit where weird we're gonna, uh, in this place. I, I believe the intention is to go back and add that music to every episode. So uh, you, that is so. Correct, by the time yes, we're talking about this, you're probably already sick of our intro music, <laughs> and we don't care. Deal with it. <laughs> or you love you it, love it, and, and you, you can't, can't wait can't to hear, wait hear it again, again next week because or next two um, things, yeah. things. Yeah. Or yeah, it could also be included in the outro. We're we're still yeah. not clear yeah, on you that know format. You might so be about to hear it right now. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it